This is really about being free to create what you want your life to look like. We each are our own hero. And how do we take the challenges that come our way and see those as the birth process of us becoming heroic? Can you meet that judgment that ultimately will surface with neutrality? This is the Wall Street Coach Podcast with Kim Ann Curtin. Aloha, everybody. Thank you for watching my podcast, The Wall Street Coach. I wanted to ask you to please subscribe and give us a like and a comment if you like what we're producing. Also, I'm always open to your suggestions. I hope that you will enjoy this next episode, but don't forget to also sign up for our TraderCheckIn.com. That is an absolutely free guide. That'll be a great check-in before you start your trading day. I hope you sign up for it. Enjoy this interview. Aloha, everybody. Welcome back to the Wall Street Coach Podcast. My name is Kim Ann Curtin, and today I have a legend in the house, Rick Carson. And when it comes to gremlin taming, Rick Carson wrote the book, literally. Rick's book, Taming Your Gremlin, is the most recommended book I have ever made in my life. Welcome, Rick, to my podcast. It's an absolute pleasure, really. I enjoyed our conversation the other day, brief though it was, very much. So I'm looking forward to being with you. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much for coming. This is a book that I read, gosh, it's got to be 20 years ago, and it had a profound impact on me, which I'm sure you hear all the time. I love hearing it. (laughs) And I have recommended it to every single client I have ever worked with. And more than that, I want to just let you know, this is a magical little story before I read your formal bio, that one of my clients who read your book was so inspired by the Simply Notice that he got tattooed on his arms for it. Simply is that right? Notice. Well, if you still see that person and they can take a picture of it, I would love it. Really. Absolutely. We'll get, we'll yeah, get a uh, yeah. for you. But he, uh, I got to meet him at a friend's wedding and he showed it to me in person. And I was just like, wow, that is just as good as it gets. I should have a tattoo that's, myself. <laughs> that's that's great. That's wonderful. Because that simply noticing is a key concept in the whole method. Yes. It's not the whole enchilada, but it's an important piece. So. It's an important piece. A really great <clears throat> anchor. like an anchor phrase, which will make sense to all of you listeners. If you don't know Rick, and if you don't know Taming Your Gremlin, you will want to after this conversation. So the author of four HarperCollins books, his seminal work, Taming Your Gremlin, has had a remarkable track track record. It's been a top seller since its publication in 1984. Taming Your Gremlin has been translated into numerous languages, and there's even a sequel called A Masterclass in Gremlin Team. For five decades, Rick has been a practicing psychotherapist, personal executive coach, consultant to businesses, nonprofits, United States government agencies, and more. He's conducted presentations at the behest of organizations in the US, Europe, and the Mideast. He's an approved supervisor for the American Association for Marriage and Family Therapy, and a former faculty member of the University of Texas Southwest Medical School. That is a heck of a bio, and I'm just curious, did you ever expect (laughs) this book to do what it did? No. I mean, I started with a a yellow pad and a 
big pen. I'd never written anything in my life. And well, I had, I enjoyed writing, but I, mean, I had never written anything for publication except a few professional articles. And I only had weekends to work on it. And I was 40 at the time, you know, I'm 70, getting ready to be 79 now. So anyway, uh, no, I had no idea what would happen with it. When I got the call from Harper Collins, then was Harper and Rowe, and they called me and offered me money. I mean, I'd sent them uh, something to look at, you know, and I tell you, I was so flattered that the contract I signed for the first version, I mean, now there's a revised edition, the sequel and all that, was terrible. <laughs> I mean, terrible. I mean, they did offer an advance. I think they offered, I think it was $7,500. Wow. And I thought to myself, I could never afford that. And then they said, we pay you. And I said, <laughs> man, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in, you know. So that's it. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So our audience is primarily traders, investors, and executives. And uh -huh. some of them have probably not heard of your book. I'd love you to just let's talk a little bit about what <laughs> is a gremlin? What is this concept even about? Well, keep in mind, when I wrote Taming Your Gremlin, there was no gremlin movie or anything like that, you know, that went out. What I was, I, I wanted a term to refer to the monster of the mind. That thing that uses negative, I've been practicing psychotherapists for years, you know, and it just occurred to me that there was an ultimate duality within everybody I worked with. Okay. That there was just something really, really beautiful happening on the inside what I ended up in the first book, just calling the natural you. And then there was this monster of the mind that used negative past experiences, fears about the future, self-doubts to really, really limit people from getting, it, it basically got in their way. So they couldn't exercise their full potential. And I started to write it as sort of a Middle Eastern book. And then uh, I'd been reading a lot of that stuff and started to write it as a, a book for therapists. And then I thought, shoot, I'm just going to write it. I want this material to be as accessible as it can possibly be to everybody. And that gremlin thought just kept coming up and every time I started writing. And so it's about getting a sliver of light between who you are on the inside, that natural you, that is absolutely beautiful. And that sounds a little woo-woo-ish, but it's true. And as people start to play with this, they really start to see it. And that's why the book is so, so well. It's, it's never been a blockbuster, but I'm telling you, to have a track record of almost 40 years is pretty unusual, you know. But in any event, so yeah. what happens is the, the, the book describes a very specific method for how to get a sliver of light between who you are and all of those ideas you have about who you are and about how the world works. It doesn't mean they're wrong, those ideas, but any belief that you have about yourself, about anything really. Beliefs are just opinions that we develop loyalty to. It doesn't mean they're bad. Some of them are really good. However, 
it's important to get a sliver of light between who you really are and all those ideas you have about who you are. Yeah. Uh, let me just add this real quickly. Yeah. I mean, I would rather people have a positive self-concept than a negative self-concept, but we're not concepts. Even those positive opinions we have about ourselves are limiting to some degree. So that's what the book's about. And it's, it's very specific. Yeah. So and it has big pictures and big time. Yeah, it, it, it does. It does. And I love those pictures because I feel, I feel this concept, even though it's simple is sort of, uh, it can initially, at least it has been for me. It was sort of like, hard for me to wrap my hands around it at the beginning because it was it was a paradigm shift initially for me but the absolutely pictures, the pictures help made helped me uh ground it grounded it a little bit helped help me not take it too seriously help me keep my That's sense right. of humor those illustrations yeah. just help you not get too caught up in your mind as you're learning about your mind. No, that's it's true. I I interviewed several illustrators and Noble Rogers, who did the illustrations, yeah. really got it. I mean, he understood that even though I'm using a term like gremlin, I don't want to. Uh, your gremlin is not cute. Yeah, your gremlin is out to squelch the natural soul within. So. We've got, I wanted it to be not not cute illustrations, but not so repulsive that people wouldn't pick up the book because right. it's on the cover, you know. Exactly. Uh, and exactly. he, he really he really got it and did a, a beautiful job. <clears throat> the book has, as I said, illustrations and big print and all that. And that's by design because one of the things Harper said was it's it's too hard hitting. We got to lighten it up a little bit so what i do is tell people read 10 minutes at a time yes you know but that's just my bias you know i've got the attention span of a three-year-old so that's what i would do but other people can read more so. yeah but i agree with you that it's it's like rich chocolate <clears throat> you you have to take small bites and just process it and i i can't tell you how many times i've read your book because I've lost count, but I read it obviously again recently to prepare for our conversation. And again, I was just, it just lands deeper each time for me. And I had to take it slow Let's, at certain points, which was really amazing. Do you remember what a point where you really started getting it? I, I know when I first read it, you know, in my first coach, uh, when I, I was, I hired a coach and after that experience, it was so profound. I became a coach, but that's over 50, 60, 17 years ago. So that's yeah. when she first recommended this book to me. And, um, and so I just remember noticing that there was this, I, I began, I think that would, should, or could phrases that you speak to the should you ought to you must that's what was my first kind of the the breadcrumbs into the trail that yeah. i realized i heard i heard the must should and could all the time <laughs> yeah once you start really witnessing that thing 
beautiful thing is when you, you mentioned simply noticing earlier, but when you begin to simply notice how you're getting in your own way, not why. Right. Okay. How you're getting in your own way, how your gremlin is getting in your way. In the very moment that you're getting in your own way, there's a miraculous thing that happens. <clears throat> it's interesting because it's the same mechanism that you used and I used to learn to walk. So, there's, you know, insight is sort of understanding why you are like you are and trying to figure ways to be different. And on a scale of zero to 10, where personal growth is concerned, that's worth about a two. Mm. It's got value. But awareness, mm. noticing in the very moment how you're getting in your own way, when you're doing it, kicks into play. And we'll talk about some of the ways people get in their own way. That kicks into play what I just labeled the Zen theory of change, which mm -hmm. simply stated is I free myself from all this stuff, mm -hmm. not by trying to free myself from it. I free myself by simply noticing how I'm imprisoning myself in the very moment that I'm imprisoning myself. And that takes Really, uh, Kim, as you know, it takes uncommon awareness. It takes practice, yeah. you know, but you can start to really notice what's going on in your head. You may not hear words, but there'll be clues in your body. Your breathing will get shallow and tight. It'll get tight in the center of your chest when you start to interfere with yourself. Yes. And with just a little bit of awareness, you can notice what's going on. Yeah. Am I scaring myself? And if so, ask how. What's my catastrophic expectation? Am I contaminating the present with the past? I mean, all this stuff becomes real obvious with practice. You yeah. gotta practice. Yeah. It's not just read the book and say, I got it. You gotta practice. You gotta practice. And there's a great phrase that you speak to. You said that this takes uh effort, but not strain. Talk a little That's bit right. about that. Well, I mean, for so many of us. And I'll generalize here, but especially, especially males, I think, mm -hmm. especially males who have been athletes, you know, we're taught to gut up, to, to, to basically strain, cry hard, work at it. This involves letting up, not bearing down. Yeah. It, and one of the things that's really emphasized throughout the book and throughout the sequel and, and all the workshops I do is the importance of paying attention to your breathing, okay? Mm -hmm. Following the path of your breath all the way in and all the way out and really using your belly when you inhale. Uh, when people start practicing with that, they see that's how they breathe when they're feeling in the zone, really good, Yeah. okay? But when something goes down, a blaring horn of any form, the death of a loved one, the loss of a job, whatever it happens to be, there's a glitch that manifests with a tightness in the center of the chest. That's followed by tightness in your trapezius. And that's followed by tension, discomfort, pain, wherever your most vulnerable area is. So there's like an alarm going off. Okay. So once you notice that, you got several options, but one I'll talk about really quickly, Kim. 
know where I'm talking an awful lot here, but let me just make this point. You're supposed to. Can use, you know. <laughs> you're, okay, you're supposed okay. to talk a lot. Well, at, at the point you notice that you're scaring yourself or putting yourself down or miring yourself in regret to the point that you feel guilty or uh, trapping yourself in a concept or clinging to a resentment, okay? One option you have, this is my favorite, is to actually accentuate, for example, if you're scaring yourself, worry is predicated on fear. Mm -hmm. So you find what the fear is and accentuate it. Oh my God, I my boss looked at me funny. So sure enough, he or she's gonna can me. I'm gonna end up poor. In fact, I, eventually I'm gonna be old and alone and in an alley and get eaten by rats. I don't know, but it's not just important to exaggerate the, the catastrophic fear. It's important to, as you're doing that, or immediately afterwards, to accentuate what your, your physical experience, mm -hmm. all of that tightness I described, make it more. Yeah. And you can do it even if you're around people, they don't even know you're doing sure. it, but do it for 10 seconds, 15 seconds, a minute's a really long time. Yeah. And then release it by exhaling fully, inhaling, taking in all of the air that you want. But what that does, the reason I said it's like learning to walk, is it brings into your awareness as an organism mm. that you're basically jabbing your own thumb in your own eye. Yeah. Okay. And so there's a natural correction that occurs. When you were learning to walk, you didn't know anything about kinesiology, physiology, physics. Just notice if you lean too far to the left, you bumped your head. So you straightened up. It's the same mechanisms at play with this. Yeah. Any organism, including a human being, wants to feel at peace, wants to be in balance, basically. Yes. Yes. And that's how it works. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say is that when you and because our audience often are dealing with losses multiple times a day that can uh, actually be catastrophic. What you're saying is lean into the contraction that they're having for them to actually see that that contraction is a place that they want to come up and out of. Exactly. And the amazing thing, I mean, there's a second step, which has to do with playing with options. And But I'll tell you a mistake that a lot of therapists and a lot of coaches make, a lot of coaches make, is rushing to the play with options part. You know, we want to help so much yeah. that when a client is struggling with something, we want to tell them, well, do this instead. Yeah. Those changes are valuable but they don't last from my experience. Yep. But last is when you dive into what you're already doing to yourself yep. and really witness it yep. because there's always an absurdity to it. Totally. The fear may not be absurd. I guess, you know, your boss really could can. Yeah. That may not be absurd, but what will be absurd every time is I am sitting here with precious moments of my own life, making myself miserable. Yeah. Jabbing my own thumb in my own eye. Yeah. Yeah. So such a important concept to just realize because it 
is when you start to really get that you can take, you know, that thumb out of your own eye, you, you start to realize you're much more powerful than you give yourself credit for, or your gremlin gives you credit for. So let's just talk about how, how you see, let's say, the, the cohort I have here, right? These are traders who have to face loss sometimes multiple times a day. In fact, one of the biggest problems traders face is that they come into trading oftentimes thinking that they will do this the right way. But what they find out as they become more seasoned is that loss is part of their success. As soon as they realize they made a mistake, their ability to cut that loss and let it go and not be attached helps them succeed as traders. But what happens is they resist cutting the loss because they're feeling wrong. And that discomfort with feeling wrong is part of why their losses grow. So how would you advise a trader who came to you with this concept they have to face that i am incorrect multiple times a day and i want to learn how to not be attached to that what gremlin do you think they're probably okay. up against well i could i could give you several examples there number one i want to tell you that when people come to me this is a generalization but it's true from my experience doing this for 50 years it's not always but it's often about a loss or the threat of a loss okay so and i can tell you in working with professional athletes uh or just you know even college athletes uh i'm thinking of a setter on a volleyball team who i was working with the coach and he was telling me that if that setter blew a set okay that it's in that the next point was he was going to do lousy. It was a he in this case. He was going to do really, really poorly. And so we figured that he had about 10 seconds, 10 to 15 seconds to let go of that and get ready for the next thing. It's true for tennis players. It's true for, it's true for everybody, yeah. especially traders. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So the way you let go of that is firstly, you accentuate just very briefly what happened, just for a moment, okay? And it, for some people, they actually like to picture it as something, yeah. you know, yeah. and then you cast it off and you do whatever you've got to do to get your body back in the present. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you've got your breathing and you've got, if nothing else, your visual field mm -hmm. to go from your breathing to your visual field, bypass your intellect, mm -hmm. bypass your intellect. If you have time, you got two questions you can ask, but a, a setter or a trader doesn't always have the time to do that. Right. And one is, what do I learn from this? And is there any action for me to take? Yeah. But those are the only two questions you need to ask any. And typically what happens with people is instead of just answering those two questions at the most and throwing the whole thing away, they tend to start ruminating, yeah. getting trapped in the world of mind. Yeah. And when that happens, you're not here. Nope. You're there. Right. The mind doesn't know anything. It just knows about stuff. Yes. Okay. There's a difference between the mind and experience. Experience has its own language. And it's not the language of the mind. 
I hope that makes sense to people. It does. Well, talk a little more about that because you talk about that in the book that there is there is a distinct difference between that mind and you certainly don't make the mind wrong, but you talk about the this concept of knowing and that that is actually a physical experience. Talk talk it's a, a physical experience. So like for instance, there are three realms of awareness. Uh, actually, Fritz Perls, who is a brilliant psychotherapist, came up with this whole idea. But it's so true, you know. And so realm number one is from your skin in. It's your body. The focal point of that is your breathing. Okay. Realm number two is what you actually can experience with your sensory receptors. Your eyes, your sense of hearing, smell, taste, you feel, all that stuff. So... Like right now. Okay, and then there's a third realm, the world of mind. Mm. So I see you nodding. Yeah. Okay. I know damn good and well you're nodding because I see it. And I feel a vibration in my throat as I'm speaking. Mm. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, those two things are happening. Yeah. Now I'm making up because I see you nodding, but you're listening to me. Mm. So I'm going to keep talking for a few minutes. <laughs> But my entire behavior would change if what I imagined was, you, you know, you were mad at me. Right. Okay. Yet based on our past experiences in the mind, sometimes without knowing we're doing it, we contaminate the present, including our ideas about ourselves. We can contaminate the present with the past. Yeah. And we assume a lot. When we do that without knowing we're doing it, that's one form of what people call a neurosis. Yes. It's just not good because if you do that really often, you're basically, your life becomes the same damn thing over and over again. Yeah. You just keep acting out the same thing with different players and props, but it's the same stuff. Yeah. So the idea is to be here. This is important, Jim. It's not a matter in the, in the method we don't teach people to be here now all the time. What I say to people is establish the here and now. Make the foreground of your experience here or here several times an hour. Say, even say, if just for three or four time. breaths. Say that one more time. Okay. When you're feeling good, I'm feeling good. Your constituents are feeling good. They're, they have a sharp foreground and a fuzzy background. That foreground is always in one of those three zones. It's either your body, your immediate surroundings, or the world of mind. The idea is to notice where it is breath to breath, moment to moment, and to notice that being right here is different than being in the world of mind. They're all good. I mean, there's great memories up here. There's also some terrible neighborhoods, and it's where your gremlin dwells. But when we contaminate this right here, right now, with this without knowing we're doing it, if you do that, if you spend too much time in the world of mind, you're going to get anxious and bummed out. Yeah. It should, but, you know, at least you're going to get very bored because it's the same stuff. Yeah. Real life is unpredictable, man. You're in it. Yeah, no. sure. So. I think part of what some traders struggle with when I introduce this concept to them is 
their mind has been what has gotten them this far. Exactly. They, they see that their mind knows pattern recognition, has experienced so much screen time where they've looked at the screens for so many years that when I start to introduce this concept to them through your book or conversation, I can tell that they're sort of like, well, my mind is the only thing I can count on. And now you're telling yeah. me it potentially is the enemy in certain circumstances. Yeah, it, well, it's not. Yeah, the mind is not the enemy. Okay, but there is that what I call the monster of the mind, the gremlin, which is in there. But for traders, especially, I mean, the importance of knowing the difference between when when you just dwell up here. If that's all you do, you cut off your body. And a lot of your natural intuitive abilities and problem solving abilities, all of that stuff that's very powerful for sensing is cut off. And I've had, you know, I trained, I've had the good fortune of participating in a postgraduate training of lots and lots and lots of therapists. And I've actually had them ask me, you know, are you telling us don't think? Right. No, not at all. Not at all. I'm just saying, know the place of thought. Yeah. And I've got so many, you know, super successful entrepreneurs in my practice and have for all these years. And yeah, it's, you know, your, your, your brain has, you're gifted with a good brain. That's what's gotten you here. For God's sake, don't abandon it. Just know the place of it, that there's more. Yeah. It's not, let me just say, Kim, it's not about giving something up. Yeah. It's just about expanding your repertoire. Having, having some more errors in your quiver. Yes. Beautiful. You know. Beautifully said. Yeah. Beautifully said. What do you think, you know, the the stock, the market has been very volatile for quite yeah. some time now. Sure. Um, speak to the effects of uncertainty and insecurity, because that's what our audience is facing, whether they're, you know, traders or investors or executives, there is this, you know, vibe right now of so much uncertainty for years, like we came out of the pandemic, you know, while the market was still volatile there, you know, now has not been for a long time. So when people are up against uncertainty, and insecurity, or, you know, just confusion or chaos, how what gremlins are they up against when that takes place? Fear. You know, I mean, there's something to ask you. You know, I mean, I believe in kind of assessing possibilities and making some guesses or some plans about what you can do to circumvent those things. You yeah. do your best guess. But the uh, for traders and, and also for just people who, yeah. you know, for financial professionals, financial consultants, which yeah. I know some of your people are involved in. I mean, it's, yeah. it's rough, but the reality is it's all unpredictable. Yeah. It's all a house of cards and it always has been. And we've been under some circumstances able to create the illusion mm. of predictability. Yes. That's why people cling to beliefs because it helps them feel safe okay it's ironic because what happens is sometimes people cling to those beliefs so strongly they actually fight to defend them yeah. 
which creates anything but a safe situation. So okay. So true. It's, it's a house of cards. And once you get with that, mm-hmm. that it is what it is, I'm going to do what I can to, to cover myself, you know, yeah. Yeah. but it, it is what it is. It's unpredictable. And you're a good fighter's relaxed in the rain. Yeah. A good fighter's relaxed in the rain. Yeah. You know, you're more able to respond if it hits the fan, yeah. if you're relaxed and alert than if you're caught up in the world of mind. Yeah. Yep, for so sure. I think there's a combination of both, you know. So let's talk about what the favorite catchphrases of the gremlin are. How do you know if somebody's listening to this saying, well, wait a minute, do I have a gremlin? Oh, man. What does it sound like? How do I know? Well, the first way you're going to know is your body. It's going to tell you. Remember, your breathing's going to get shallow. Tightness in your chest, tightness in your trapezius probably a tightness in your jaw, where, wherever your most vulnerable area is. So that's the first way you're going to go. And I, I want to really emphasize that. Mm-hmm. But I'll give you some clues. Yeah. There are certain poisons that your gremlin uses. Uh, and I'll, we'll try to touch on five real quickly, or at least four. Okay, good. Okay. Okay, so one is just, as we said earlier, is just worry. And worry is predicated on fear. So I've already suggested something to do with that, which is accentuate the fear and accentuate the feeling in your body Then exhale fully. And as you inhale, think in terms of oxygenating all those key points of tension now that we could spend an hour just on that, you know, but let's move on another. And it's a poison. If you really pay attention to worry, to what it feels like in your body, when I say it's a poison, I'm not being metaphorical. Mm-hmm. It's gonna, it's gonna do you in, and it's gonna make you sick. Yeah, and sure. it's gonna make you look look weird over time. Yeah, <laughs> <Agreed>. <laughs> you know? so, Yeah, and so, I'll just say, I'll just pause you there for one second to say that is one of my consistent gremlins is worry. Like I use the word "I'm a worry wart" because I am, and I also stop. Have, stop. Right. Stop right there. Okay, good. Okay. So when you make a definitive statement like that, yeah, I'm a worry ward, a definitive statement about yourself. If I'm hearing it, I know that that plays through your head many times a day, whether you're even aware of it. So what's happening is you're hypnotizing yourself into believing this is just the way I am. Okay. So that's why you have to simply notice. You won't always notice the thought. The first thing you'll notice is what happens in your body. And then you'll notice, oh, it's that again. And then for you, Kim, do just what we've discussed. Okay. Accentuate it. Jab your thumb harder. (laughs) Tense your body more. Okay. Exhale. Don't rush to the exhalation part. Do it. Because I want you to feel the absurdity in it. Then release it. Exhale fully. Shake your body. You can't do it in a board meeting, you know, but but you can can come up with ways. People have been very creative with this. So that's one worry here. Another one about regret. Yeah. Uh, well, there's nothing. Actually, regret is a very natural thing. If I step on your toe, actually, you know, I'm going to regret it. And when I ask myself those two questions, what 
what do I have to learn from this? Well, quit being such a klutz, Rick. Watch where you're going, you know. And any action to take, tell Kim you're sorry. I'm sorry. But people who dwell on regret develop a feeling, and this is a biggie, called guilt. Uh, that occurs in the center of your chest, lower part of your chest, actually, upper part of your abdomen. It's You start feeling that poison. Yeah. It's different than the worry poison, yeah. but they're both terrible. And a lot of people do both and do them at the same time. So true. A third one yeah. is vicious self-criticism, putting yourself down based on past experiences, primarily just beating the hell out of yourself. Okay. That's a different kind of poison. Talk, talk about what it. that looks like and sounds like for, I suspect that is the majority of who is listening to us. You're just a worry wart and you're not going to be any difference and quit, quit, quit kidding yourself. You know, you may get better for a little while, Kim, but all in all, you are who you are and you're a worrier just like your mother was. So that's what that, it's about. Just, just a little tidbit and I'm, I, I don't mean to disparage your mom. I don't know her at all. That too. She was that too. So it's right on the money. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's how it works. But you become aware of that, of being grounded in the past. And there's that natural correction starts to occur. So another one is, I'm not opposed to anger. I actually, I think it, it brings about a lot of positive change handled properly. But clinging to a resentment and that's like acid in a container. It's going to eat you up. That's a different poison. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a whole different one. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times, it, a lot of times, one of the challenges a trader has is they will have lost money and they're yeah. mad at the market for taking it from them. So they will, they're going to go get it back. So it's called revenge trading. When you come into the uh -huh. market, like you took that from me yesterday, I'm going to take it back today. And I'm like, oh, that's that unhealthy oh, anger. Yeah, that's a real interesting. That's another poison, actually, is, is revenge. But it's the same thing. You know, it's just, uh, yeah. Is not using that anger really well to let it fuel you. Well, what would you uh, say? They how could uh, they in a positive that, way? How could they take that anger and turn it into a more positive use of that emotion? Well, and I know this is hard for traders, and it's hard for athletes, and it's hard for a lot of people. But it's to slow down, mm -hmm. but really. Drop your awareness to your breathing. Follow the path of your breath in and out. Use your belly when you inhale. Exhale fully, just for a few breaths. Again, I said this at the beginning of our time, Kim, but I I really want to reemphasize it. I'm not saying be here now all the time. I am saying come home several times an hour if just for two breaths. Just come back home and start over. And that'll help you use that anger in a way that is really positive. Mm -hmm. It's like, what action do I really want to take here? And I know the rapid pace of traders makes that hard. But I'm telling you, I've seen people, uh, traders and otherwise, use the method very successfully and 
I assume, live longer, certainly feel better and not burn out on their work. Exactly. You know, which is a biggie. It's a huge one. I mean, huge one. Yeah. Really, really, really. So, one more poison I'll mention real quickly, which is one I pointed out to you earlier. It's just trapping yourself in a concept Mm -hmm. of who you are. Yeah. You know, any concept, as I said earlier, is limiting. Yeah. So, that was that's a big part of the second part of your book where you ask us to write down what those concepts are. I'm going to say it out loud here because, you know, those who do listen to me regularly know this about me. The other concept that I've had to start to question, thanks to your book, is I don't cook. That's a concept that I have. So uh, as I was doing the homework in the book again for myself, I was like, so the other day, a friend told me about a soft boiled egg that he made. And I actually, instead of saying, I don't cook, I said, I bet I could cook if I had proper training. There you go. (laughs) Or just, you know, a simple phrase of, and I could have done this with you a while ago, is until now. Until now. Until or my tendency has been, or until now my tendency has been. I mean, I had one that was a biggie for me. Is uh, well, I mean, I've had more than one, but the one that's coming to mind is uh, I can't, I can't build anything with my hands. I'm not mechanical. I'm not, uh, you know, not a good carpenter. And I remember my son's 45 now, but I remember when he was. a kid, maybe 10 or 11, and I got his go-kart running, <laughs> which we had bought at a, practically a scrap shop. I mean, it barely worked, and it was like, I was, I would, give me a high five, you know, and I started to realize I can do it. If anybody can do it, I can do it, and then I started building a few things, you know, and uh, sure enough, it's a real pleasure. Yeah. It's just a little funny, but, yeah. you know, imagine people that think uh, I'll never have a rewarding romantic relationship mm-hmm. okay or men are untrustworthy mm-hmm. or women are far too emotional to make any good decisions mm-hmm. uh people have concepts not just about themselves but about other people Interesting. and those prejudices are very very powerful mm-hmm. they're very powerful they dictate your experience once that veil of concepts is in there it, uh, you, you, even if it's a prejudice about yourself or much less about other people, think of the disharmony that causes within people and among people. Mm-hmm. And it's just because we've got these stereotypes where yeah. we can say, I'm not going to have those stereotypes, by golly. I'm, I'm better than that. Yeah. Well, again, that's worth about a two. Yeah. But when you really go inside and own your stereotypes, Give them full play for a while, even though they're repugnant to how you want to see yourself. Right. You give full play to that, yeah. and you start seeing that poison. There's a natural correction that starts to occur. Yeah, I. I that, that's. I don't know what this toy is called, but there, isn't there like a children's toy that when it's over your fingers and you resist it and you try to pull out, it gets tighter. But when you relax. Right you can get yourself free. And that's what your Zen concept always reminded me of, was that kid's That's life. beautiful. I wish I'd used that. <laughs> I'm going to have to write another book. 
No, I remember those things very well. And that's a great, a great metaphor. I mean, that's, that's perfect. Yeah. Right. The more Just relax, you can get out. The more we resist, it persists. The teacher Raphael Kushner told me that. And unless we yeah. stop resisting, it's going to keep kind of coming back up in that's the right. background. And that's yeah. what that concept you speak of in the book just is, it's just, I, that's why I love, you know, nobody wants to put the thumb harder in their eye, but if it wakes you up to it, then it's probably worth it. It's like hurts a little bit harder in that moment, but instead of constantly having a dull pain repeated, yeah. better to just, you know, face it head on. That's right. And those, those concepts, those prejudices against oneself or against other people, it's not that they disappear once and for all, but every time you accentuate them within yourself, they become less because you start to see yeah. the absurdity. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, there's so much going down right now. I mean, anti-Semitism is uh, on the rise like crazy. It's just ridiculous, you know, yeah. yep. but, uh, you know, you can tell yourself I'll be different, mm. but if, if if you really want to change permanently, you got to go deep inside yeah. and not analyze. You don't have to analyze anything. You just have to own your own stuff. Yeah. I mean, you can't grow up in this world and not grow up with prejudices, regardless of how liberal thinking your folks were. It's in there. Yep. You 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 interjected it. You gulped down with it. We all did. Yep. And it's important to go inside and own that stuff first, you know, feel it, yeah. you know, you yeah. can't, yeah. there, there aren't great settings to do that. So it's okay to do it alone. Yeah, for sure. But it's important. It's important. If you want to get rid of a poison, you've got to go in and grab it, you know. Yeah, for sure. Uh -huh. For sure. Uh, one of the other things that I wanted to just bring up, even though it may sound so basic, is how would you describe a healthy relationship to fear? What I'm thinking it? first thing came to mind is what Mike Tyson said. He said, fear is my friend. <laughs> you know, uh, a healthy relationship to fear just to me means bring it into your foreground. Don't, if, if what happens is we avoid a fear, we try to block it. Yeah. Okay. Look at what's happening with my hands. Yeah. It creates a duality one part of us working against another part of us. So you're going to get anxious. You're going to get depressed. Okay. Or you're going to bottle up that fear till you explode with it. Right. Or you're going to make yourself sick. Yes. So the idea is bring it into the foreground. Yes. Scare yourself. Wow. For just 30 seconds or a minute. It's a long time. Really scare yourself. Okay. And feel it in your body. And then do your best to release it. And may not release all of it, but you know, there's a very skinny membrane between fear and excitement. Mm -hmm. The physical sensation is pretty close to the same. Mm -hmm. So at the point, you, I mean, you can say, I don't know what's going to happen. Or you can say, I don't know what's going to happen here. Yeah. You know, yeah. and there are a lot of options in between those two. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. It's but, it's it's so true that they are so similar in their the tangibleness of excitement versus fear and again it's the self-concept that you speak to what's you know if like i said before 
I just self-described <clears throat> in the past as a worry board, not currently, but in the past when I have self-described as a worry board, that fear right. is totally. so palpable. And yet how I can step into, oh, I wonder what's going to happen from a place of excitement is a, a very different, more empowered place to stand. Yeah, and, and Kim, once you do that, you've got some other options to play with. You know, it's just as easy to create, in, in a lot of instances, not all, it's just as easy to create a positive scenario as a negative one. Mm -hmm. So you can do that. But the main thing is to see the absurdity in what you're doing to yourself. Once you've decided on an action or, you know, attempted to make a plan, you know, then you do do your best. That's yeah. that's it. But yeah. there's sometimes when that fear comes on so rapidly, like I think about just I mean the, the mass shootings that have happened. Yes. Or I know I've worked with people immediately after uh, explosions. You yes. know, yes, big ones like uh, uh, charged up to Oklahoma when. Uh, Timothy McVeigh did his thing up there. Yes, yes. Uh, but the game is the same. Would you it's share really that story of that man that you did uh, work with? Because that's such a powerful story of how he was shaking. He was shaking and trembling. Oh, I, I know that. Right. Uh, yeah, he walked in. There was a point where I went in to work with the, the families that were waiting. But prior to that he walked into the building and he was just just shaking just really shaking hard he was dressed in a business suit and obviously was a fairly successful guy and i'm trying to remember what the deal was with him he was he had driven by the building the buildings and he didn't actually know anybody in there so it wasn't about that it was just the the just the sheer terror of seeing what had happened if i remember he, right I, spoke, I, you know again i wrote he, the book you spoke to him being like somebody ago. who as a man was taught not to be emotional that's what it was he yeah as, as i worked with him and i worked with him really quickly the thing was he was anxious about his own fearful emotional response he had started crying when he drove past the building that's what it was and he didn't know how to handle that sadness his whole thing had been he'd been a macho guy it still was but that's so all i did with him is allowed him to relax his body let his body do what it wanted to do which is cry yeah. and he really cried he sobbed and then he was better yeah and you know, likely Still had been a moment, horrible event that it happened. But. He, he was likely not only crying for what he had witnessed, but probably crying for all the tears he'd never let himself cry. I that's a great point, Kim. Yeah, that's one thing that uh, that really I hope that your constituents will consider is when there's a loss of any sort, your body has another chance to finish with past losses okay and the number of times i have seen people who they will lose somebody 
and you know, all the people start telling them, well, they have, it hasn't hit them yet or whatever, as if they're supposed to automatically, we have our concepts about how people are supposed to handle losses. You know, well, the reality is people handle them their own way, you know, but in any event, the number of times I've seen somebody not have a reaction to a parent dying, not have a deep reaction. And then six months later, their dog dies. And all of a sudden, all that stuff comes up, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, so it's a, you just think of it all as it's another opportunity to cleanse. Yeah. It's another opportunity to cleanse. It's yeah. all it is. Yeah. But I think especially because loss is such a specific foundational piece of being comfortable. You have to be comfortable with loss to be a trader. And I suspect for the you know, look, there are women traders, but the most of the majority are men. Those men have not ever been encouraged or taught how to navigate the grief of loss in any area of their life. And then they're walking into having to, for years at a time, deal with multiple losses. I think that can at sometimes, you know, screw with their head unless they oh, start man. to accept that that emotional grief or anger or frustration is part of being human. That's right. So simple formula is feel it, but don't wallow in it. Mm -hmm. And there's a difference between feeling it and thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, what happened? You know, my clients are all going to, they're going to beat me to death. You know, they're going to be, upset in all likelihood and take it out on you you know but you gotta this is a key you gotta remember where you end yeah and everything else begins Perfect. a miraculous sheath known as your skin it's about <laughs> two millimeters thick in most places it's waterproof it's tough you know every experience you have happens within that boundary defined by your skin everyone events occur around you and many involve you, even if you don't want them to. Yeah. But your experience of all those events happens in here. So on the most fundamental level, if you can keep this thing feeling cool, calm, collected, and relatively content, mm -hmm. it's just more efficient. Yeah. Absolutely. That's good. I love that. I love yeah. talk about taking it away from whoa, whoa. It's just more. What was the word you just used? Content? It's just more, uh, more efficient, uh, efficient. That's the word. So it's so great because it's, and really, God knows that people, uh, you know, we're just talking the, efficiency people. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's, we're that's not talking, you know, sweet and woo woo. We're talking efficient. You want to be an efficient uh, trader? You kind of learn this. The greatest compliment. I, it's my favorite is when people say, Oh, I really get, you made this simple because it's so efficient you know it, it, it really works <laughs> it's not some philosophy it's not a philosophy that's it's right a, it's a you gotta practice with it yeah. and the methods laid out in the book taming your gremlin yes 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 you know? yes here it is again people here it is yeah the yeah. book of books that i read i am a reader i read countless countless books 
And there is no book I have ever read that I have recommended more than your book. I, I want to take credit for thousands of copies that I know I have sold. I don't don't stop. I don't stop. Keep, I promise I'll keep buying it. <laughs> yeah, I, buy I mean, I make, I make maybe 50 cents a book. <laughs> Listen. I would do. I do want to mention for yes. people who may have read that yes. there is a sequel yes. called "A Masterclass in Gremlin Timing." A yes. Masterclass in Gremlin Timing, and the last half of that book is about creating rewarding relationships, mm-hmm. not just with people, with everything. Yeah. And I'm real proud of it. It's been out for a while, yeah, but I, I just okay, good. I can like lie. We'll have you back to little, talk about that for sure. Yeah. The, the, okay. I know we've had you for a while, but I do have maybe one or two other questions. Here's is that okay to keep you just a few sure, more? Let, let's see. Uh, I think so. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, Go good. Thank you. So there's a great quote at the end of this book where you say, True contentment is not the same as getting your act together. Feeling good is a product of becoming aware of who you are beneath your act or acts. Would you talk about that? Yeah. Well, sometimes when people hear the term act that I use, I think they think I'm talking about that it's a a pejorative or negative statement. I'm just talking about your your persona, Mm -hmm. your style of being, you know. I mean, we can get close to go with our style of presentation we can get i mean if you can afford it you can get a house or a car to go with how you want to be seen not just by other people but by yourself right it's important however and there's nothing wrong with that right but there's two things to keep in mind number one you don't want to be too attached to that because it is going to get the dickens kicked out of it at some point mm-hmm. and if you're too attached to it when you're winning critics acclaim you're going to feel great. But when you're not, you're too attached to how you want to see yourself. And all of a sudden you lose that for some reason, mm-hmm. you know, through aging or you have something amputated or, or through you lose or, the a market, job. or the market suddenly stops being agreeable for your trading strategy. Exactly. Exactly. Then you'll take a real dive. So yeah. point number one is just we all we all want a good act. I help people get their acts together, but it's just important not to be too attached to it. And the other thing is to you're best served if your act, your your advertising, your style of being is true to who you are on the inside. And really, that's what the Gremlin Timing Method is all about. It's about cleansing the channel between that thing you really are. It's not about the Gremlin. The gremlin is like the, if you're carving a statue, it's like the stone that ends up on the floor. It's about revealing who you really are on the inside. And so you want to develop a style that's consistent with that. It just feels better. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, the first part of that quote, that true contentment is not the same as getting your act together. I'd love to just talk about just that sentence because... I do feel, I won't say his name, but there's a particular gentleman out there who's, you know, a best-selling author. I've read his book. It's an amazing book, a harrowing journey he's lived through. But he is definitely somebody that is an advocate of grinding it out. 
And it frustrates me because, and there's other people too, who are out there who, who seem to be advocates of this grind of this, like, you know, balls to the wall kind of approach to things. And yet I don't experience those people. That's just my opinion, but I don't experience them as having contentment. I don't see them having a sense of peace or equanimity. And so I question that, you know, you have to have that that act together. You have to have all your ducks in a row. And I'm like, well, you seem to They're never going to be in a row. You're not going to get your ducks. Or they they seem to, but they're not happy anyway. Look around you. Well, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, really, if that, it's not an either or. I mean, I really have, as I said, a lot my clients generally are very, very successful people in this world, you know. But you've got two charges from the time you charge, from the time you arrive on the planet in the midst of whatever unique drama you pop out into. One is to survive. So far, so good for those of us here today. (laughs) Okay. But the other is to really enjoy this precious gift of life, to be here, to enjoy it. And I guess to the extent that that grind makes those people happy, bully for them. But your observation is for a lot of them, they're not really content. And to me, I mean, my reaction to that is what a shame. You know, you're giving this beautiful, beautiful life. You know, the beauty's not in the sunset. It's in you getting to be here to witness it. Yeah. Uh, so, and really that's what the method, it's not about taking away that drive. Right. It's not. I mean, uh, you know, but it's about you can be very content while you're doing that. If you have if you use the method, I mean, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. And enjoy yourself in the process. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's truly that it's, you know, because I obviously am an advocate of discipline. I'm an advocate of having practices and holding yourself, you know, and your goals, you know, to uh, a a level that challenges you and calls you forth. So it's, but I just have seen so much of discipline collapsed with this self-flagellation that frustrates me. And it's, and it's like, I'm not, I'm not advocating you be lazy. I'm just advocating maybe you not be so mean to yourself. Precisely. Kim, I'm going to have to go. <laughs> I could talk but to I've you thoroughly forever. enjoyed it. I have thank really, you. really enjoyed being with you. So thank, thank you very much. So much for and coming I hope, on. Yeah. If, uh, if people want to contact me. Yes. Well, there's a web page. It's not yes. exactly updated, but it's web page. We'll put, as you might guess, tamingyourgremlin.com. Perfect. perfect. And there's a Facebook page, Taming Your Gremlin, and there's some videos on YouTube. Yes. uh, Called the Taming Your Gremlin series. Yes. And my phone number is 214-363-0784. 
Perfect. Okay. Perfect. I'm going to put my office number. They can always leave me a message if they don't get a hold of somebody. Okay. Perfect. So, perfect. And we'll yeah. put all of this in the liner notes of the podcast too. Thank you, Rick, so, so much. Right. This amazing conversation. My pleasure. I really, really enjoyed it. I like, I appreciated your, uh, I was going to say your enthusiasm, but your general, you know, you really are, are curious and you really embrace the method. So you're a wonderful example for people. Uh, so thank you for having me. It was fun to fun to hobnob with somebody that uh, enjoys Gremlin Time as much as I do. Absolutely, absolutely. So, and thank okay. you for the coaching. All right. The coaching tonight. All right, be sure. well. All right. Thank you for coming. Take care. This has been the Wall Street Coach Podcast with Kim Ann Curtin. You can find out more about her and her team online at thewallstreetcoach.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review on iTunes. Thank you for listening.